Hi, you're listening to This Is Not Your Practice Life. I'm your host, Macy Renee, and we are going on a journey together, my friends. I'm a certified life and emotional intelligence coach. And if you really want to step into your highest self, there are a few non-negotiables you're going to have to learn, and I am just the person to help you do it. No matter your past, I'm here to help you create a more fulfilling future. So stick around with me. Not only will I teach you how to navigate your brain's daily mind drama, but I'll help you actually understand your mind, your emotions, why you do the things you do, and why others do the things they do. Most importantly, I'll help you build the self-awareness skills to create whatever results you want. It's never too late to change the trajectory of your life. After all, this is not your practice life. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of This Is Not Your Practice Life podcast. I'm Macy and I'm excited to have you joining me today. Please ignore my very nasally voice. I'm really battling whatever is in the air in Las Vegas. It's funny because I grew up, was born and raised in Kentucky, lived there my entire life up until last year and never had any issues with living in the Ohio Valley with pollen, with trees and grasses, nothing. Moved to Vegas where you would think my allergies would be so much better because I never battled it in Kentucky. And here, I don't know if it is the dust or whatnot, but it feels like every couple of weeks I come down with this nasally, gross, sinusy crap. It's just so frustrating. (laughs) So anyways, I'm going to try to not sneeze to death and sound completely unlike myself, but just bear with me because it's a struggle over here. (laughs) My clients today have had to watch me blow my nose like 800 times, sneeze a million times. It's it's been so much fun. Okay, so we're going to talk about anxiety today. We're just going to have a conversation around it from a holistic lens, I would say, and the way that I think about it. So this is not to say that my way of thinking about it is the right way. It's something for you to consider. It's um, something that comes up a lot for my clients. You know, I was just reading statistics and it estimates that there are 40 million people in the world that have battles around anxiety. And I think that I've had a different kind of perspective around anxiety because I've battled with it my entire life. But I wanted to have a conversation around it because it a lot of times my clients come to me with a lot of anxiety. Some people are on medication to help them. Some people are not. And I just wanted to kind of have, you know, an open conversation. So just know that, you know, you can take or leave whatever does not work for you in this conversation. You might have some ahas or new ways of thinking about something. You might be triggered by something um, that your brain, you know, has never heard before or maybe doesn't agree with, and all of it is okay. So I just want to remind you, it's all okay. I'm just one person. These are my thoughts. Um, it's my way of thinking around anxiety and the ways that I have really helped myself over the years. And so again, take or leave whatever works for you or whatever does not. Before we get into this conversation, though, I wanted to quickly remind you that you can win six weeks of free one-on-one coaching with moi. 
and I'm so excited about that. Um, you do so by going and leaving a review on Google, which you can find the link for that in the show notes here, or you can go to macyrenee.com and at the very top of the home page, you'll see the link that you can click to leave one. So what I ask is that if you have been a podcast listener for a while and the podcast has been helping you, go share your experience of what you're learning, what you love about the podcast, um, any ahas that you've taken away, or if you have been a client or are currently a client and would like to leave a review, you can do that as well. And basically whoever wins, I'm gonna draw a winner this upcoming weekend so it'll be let me look at the date I'm going to draw a winner on Saturday November 5th okay and if you're a current client those six sessions will be added to your contract if you're not a current client you will get to experience one-on-one coaching with me for the first time so super excited to um you know have one of you and coach one of you for six weeks whether it's someone I've already coached and we'll just have more time together or if it's someone I've never met before and I just really quickly wanted to thank you all for the reviews that you have left because I have read through each and every one of them and they've brought me to tears even if you're not a client of mine like because a lot of you I have never met and some of you have never even introduced yourself so to read what you're writing and how the podcast has helped you just it warms my heart and just makes me feel amazing, right? Just to know that the the work is helping you in some way. And I've cried and bawled through every single one of the client testimonies because they're just, it's like I've watched the transformation for all of my clients and how they continue to transform. And so I just appreciate and love you guys so much. So thank you for taking the time to do that. And I will be drawing a winner on November 5th. So you still have time to go leave a review. All right, so let's get in a conversation of just kind of my thoughts around anxiety and healing your anxiety, having holistic conversation around anxiety. Um, You know, I think it's an important one to have, and I think a lot of you that listen to the podcast probably deal with some anxiety. And before we get really into this, I want to say that I'm talking about anxiety that is secondary to you know, maybe traumatic life experiences or challenging things that you've, you know, experienced in your life, not so much from a place of um, genetics or like, you know, a chemical imbalance that maybe you were born with or something like that. And I kind of have, um, again, a unique perspective on this based on my years as an occupational therapist, based on my own experiences and then being a coach. So I've, I've seen a lot and I've experienced a lot and this is just kind of my takeaway. But what I have found for me, anxiety started for me very, very young. I can remember being an anxious ball of nerves as young as probably two years old. Like I can remember specific events that were very traumatic. I can remember you know, having what now I know is called separation anxiety and not wanting to be around people I didn't know, um, wanting to be around people that kept me really safe. I hated going to school. I cried literally. This is not an exaggeration. I cried every day from preschool through first grade. 
every single day on the way to school. And my Oma, who was my great grandma, she would walk me into school. And it eventually got to the point where the principal had to tell her, you're not allowed to walk her in anymore because she's so upset. It takes us forever to calm her down. Like you're just going to have to drop her off at the door and make her walk in herself. And I did like half days when I first started preschool because I would just sob the whole day until they picked me up. It was just, I'm sure that that was so hard on all of my caregivers that took care of me. My great grandparents, my grandparents, occasionally, you know, when my mom would have me because I was raised by my grandparents. And, and so I'm sure that it was difficult for them because I was a crying, anxious child. And I started therapy at six years old. So my mom really, you know, my mom had come from her own history of traumatic events. And my mom, if you've you've been around for a while, you know, my mom got pregnant with me at 15 and had me at 16 years old. And so she was really a kid when she had me as well. So she has her own stories and all of that, um, her own traumatic events and whatnot. And because of that, she wanted to make sure that I had support at a very young age. So she made sure that in school I had a counselor meeting every single week to just talk about my feelings and talk about things in life, right? So I I did that and I did that for 17 straight years. I worked with some form of counselor, therapist, psychologist, psychiatrist, someone a lot of times I was talking to to just speak about things that were happening in life and over the years my little database collected trauma after trauma after trauma after trauma and so the older that I became the more anxious I was I was so so very anxious so all of that to say When I was about 24 years old, I finally got to the point where I was at a nervous freaking breakdown because I didn't even know myself anymore. I felt so disassociated from everything. I felt out of my body. I didn't feel like myself. I didn't even feel like I knew myself. And when I get on a consult with people, a lot of times I will say, do you feel like you're floating outside of your body? Like you're a balloon that's floating outside of yourself. And, you know, a lot of times that's how they'll feel. And that's how I felt a lot of the time. I just felt so out of body, not grounded at all, and very on edge. Kind of like I was carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders and screaming for help, but yet pushing away any help because it was like, I'm strong, I've got it, get away, don't help me. But please help me, but don't help me, if that makes sense. So I think if you know, you know, right? Well, I can remember when I was starting college, I went to University of Kentucky for one year. And I say all the time, it was a year of hell. Like everything that could have been a testament towards strengthening you or breaking you down (laughs) happened in that year. And, you know, I was freshly, you know, I guess 18 years old. Maybe was I going into, no, I guess I was, I was 19. So I was 19 and a series of events happened that sent me to my edge. One of those like situations was one not even knowing what career I really wanted and I think when you're that age 
you know, society has told you, you should have it all figured out. You should know exactly what you need to do or what you should want to do, or you should know who you are. And that just wasn't the case for me. It was like, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I want. I'm supposed to decide. I'm on a scholarship, so I have to decide in order to get college taken care of. This is so much pressure. And so that was one of the things weighing on me. And I was a pre-nursing major, knowing that I didn't want to be a nurse. Shout out to all of the nurses. I admire you so much. Um, I just knew that I couldn't do the all of the bodily fluids and all of the things. But I enrolled in pre-nursing because... I knew that the classes wouldn't be a waste because I knew that I probably wanted to be in the medical field, just not as a nurse. So I was trying to push through, but I was miserable. And then while I was in college, there was a situation where my biological father's family had discovered that I existed, which had never been the case before. And several of my biological father's family members started reaching out to me and that put me in overwhelm and overdrive and confusion and it was just way too much way too fast and then there was the guilt and shame of like I'm not ready for this I don't want any of this what's happening there was anger it was just a lot of emotions and then the third thing was I had a dorm that was infested with bed bugs I've never talked about this on the podcast but it was literally terrible and the university was basically saying you know it's your all's fault you and your roommate brought it in my roommate and I were high school best friends and we were like no way we've never experienced this ever and turns out it was you know obviously we did not bring them in it had been a problem for years but all of that to say that that all happened when I was 19 in compilation with trauma I had endured throughout my entire life and I was at my end like the end of the rope so I went walked myself you know as the the girl at that time who never asked for help like at that time I would have rather drowned than asked for help or asked for help and I walked myself into their counseling office to see if someone could help me I needed to talk to someone you know it had been a while since I had spoken with an uh, another therapist or counselor And they told me that they were full for the semester, that I would have to come back the next semester. And I remember thinking like, you know, I'm not suicidal, but what if somebody was like coming in and truly like thinking of ending their life? You would literally tell them to wait until next semester. So what transpired after that was there was an ad that said, take a career assessment test. So my roommate and I, decided to take, you know, these career assessment tests. And basically they were like a gazillion pages long. It it took like, I think you had to answer questions for like over an hour. And then once your results came in within like a week, then you would go and review it with their counseling and psychology department. So when it was time to review my career assessment, I made an appointment and it was a total God thing. I got the head of the department for psychology and she was the person that, you know, oversaw all of the other therapists in there. And when I sat down to review this assessment, I think in the first five minutes, she could see that I was a cracked egg with yolk spilling out of myself (laughs) and was like, I don't even know that the assessment is the root issue here. And 
long story short, thank God for her because she was like, why haven't you, why didn't you ever come to the counseling office? And I told her I did. They told me that they had no spots and I needed to wait till next semester. Well, that infuriated her. So she gave whoever had told me that an earful and she was like, you need to be seen immediately. And she goes, and not only do you need to be seen immediately, but I'm also referring you out to psychiatry because after the, you know, one hour we've spent together, I'm literally so worried about you. I know you say you're not suicidal, but I'm so worried about you. The things that you've said, I want you to see a psychiatrist and you're going to see me. And so you're going to go twice a week for until we say so. And I was like, oh my God, I'm a mess. <laughs> so I was seeing her and I loved my sessions with her. And then I started um, with someone in uh, psychiatry at University of Kentucky. It was in the hospital. And um, I would go for my sessions. And I can remember that therapist constantly looking down at their watch as if I was boring them, as if they had many other things that they needed to do. But the straw that broke the camel's back for me was whenever I had had maybe five or six sessions. I don't even know if I made it that many sessions. Maybe it was more like four. And I was asking that therapist for strategies around being less anxious. And I remember this therapist looked me in the eyes and they were like, if you do not take medication, you're never going to get better. You will never get better. You're never going to heal from all of the stuff you keep talking about week after week. The only way to fix yourself is through medication. And I think that this therapist was really frustrated with me because from the get-go, I had told them I don't want to be medicated because that's another part of trauma for me is watching a loved one that you know had a lot of stuff going on that was given the medications and couldn't their body just did not respond and then it became abusive and then there was you know um, addiction and a part of my trauma stems from that so I want the most holistic methods to managing myself without feeling like I'm floating outside of my body and every week I would come up against resistance with this you know psychiatrist because they're like well the reason that you feel this way is because you won't medicate yourself. And something in my gut was like, no, the reason that I feel this way is because I have a long list of traumatic events and I need help understanding how to move on from said traumatic events. And they would argue with me and say, the only way that that can happen is if you medicate yourself. That's what's going to make your pain go away. But even still, my argument was like, no, it's not going to make it all go away because the people that have caused it are not changing. My environment won't be changing. Nothing about it is going to be changing. The only change that you're suggesting is medicine, which is essentially going to band-aid the anxiousness I feel in my body, but it's not going to heal and take away the trauma that I've endured. I want to know how to heal the trauma that I've endured. And I think that that's what led them to say finally to me directly, like if you don't take medicine, there's no point in you coming to me. You're never going to get better. You're never going to feel better. You're never going to heal. And it was so direct and matter of fact and dismissive. And I remember leaving that session and going back to the psychologist 
and saying never again. I never want to see that psychiatrist ever, ever again. So from that point forward, I never did. But I became determined at that point for solutions that did not feel like it was um, buffering through the problem. And when I say buffering, I have an episode on this and it's it's one of the most popular episodes still to date. I think it's the third episode of the podcast when it was called Becoming Your Highest Self. But buffering is really what it means is it's distracting from the root things that are going on. So it's like if you experience discomfort, an emotion that feels, you know, yucky or icky, um, if you're stressed, if you're anxious, in order to make yourself stop feeling that, you will pick up a buffer, something to distract you. And so people do it through shopping, watching, you know, show after show after show, endless TV, eating whenever their body is not hungry, but they're bored or they're sad. And so they use food as a coping mechanism. Drinking alcohol, they use it as a coping mechanism to take the edge off of their day, right? A stressful day at work calls for a glass or two or a bottle of wine because I don't I don't know how to be with the emotions in my body and therefore I'm going to buffer. Or I don't even know what I'm feeling inside of me or why I'm triggered the way that I am, but I know a glass of wine makes me feel better. I know watching TV makes me feel better. I know watching three hours of TikTok uh, takes it away. And the reality is that it doesn't actually take it away, okay? It just distracts the brain. And so all of the root issues are still living inside of your body. All of the emotions you don't want to feel are still circulating in your body. You've just pressed it, pressed them down long enough to function in whatever way you need to function. And that is what creates our autopilot behavior where we're really turned on on autopilot and we're floating outside of ourselves, and we're doing the things, we're getting the task done, we're showing, you know, we're waking up, we're getting ready, we're getting the kids ready, we're going to work, but we come home, you know, our, our relationship with our significant other is good, but not great, we're not super present, and it's like, it's like we know it can be better, but it's just how, right? We get stuck in this how, and Everything in life kind of makes us feel a little on edge or anxious or stressed out. Like there's so many moving pieces and you eventually get to a point where you're just going through the motions because to slow down and experience what you're actually feeling feels like such a daunting task that it's like, of course, I'm going to buffer through it. Of course, I don't want to feel this. Okay. And that's kind of the point where we get. And I've really worked for years to understand anxiety especially from an experiential point of view where people feel anxious because of what has occurred in their life again not so much from genetics or you know like a chemical imbalance that maybe they've been born with but you know what they've experienced in their life that has created that chemical change inside of themselves or that change inside their brain where they feel like they are constantly in a stage of fight or flight. And, you know, I can recognize that in my life, a lot of the things I would repeat in therapy were specific situations that had happened that made me feel not good. 
And so that was the differentiator for me. It's like, I'm not, I'm not coming to the sessions saying like, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? I, I feel this way and I don't know why. For me, it was like, this is what's happened in my life. And I feel like ever since then, I've been a changed person, right? So there was always a clear distinction for me. Like, here's what's happened in my life. And it's like, of course, this is how I'm feeling. But what do I do with it? And so for someone to tell me like the only way that you will ever feel better is to medicate yourself, that felt for me like, no, that's a distractor from the trauma that I've actually endured and how it changed my brain. Like those traumatic events physically changed my brain, made me feel something in my body emotionally. And every time my brain revisits it, my body has the same exact reaction And what you're saying is take a pill and it'll calm down the reaction in your body. But what, and that might be true and that's great. But what I'm saying is what's the process for healing it, right? And it, and from a lot of my therapy sessions, it was kind of like, well, you're just, you're just going to kind of be like this. And so I think that that is why I, felt such a change whenever I did learn about coaching and actually invested and hired my coach because it made me realize the answers that I always internally felt were available to me but that nobody else knew to tell me. It was like, of course you are feeling like this. Of course you can't get yourself to do the things you know you need to do. Of course this is why you behave the way you behave because The brain likes safety. The brain likes patterns that it's used to, even if those patterns are toxic. And whenever your brain revisits the past, it basically is saying, even though this doesn't feel good, this is safe. So I think the difference was when I learn why, then I'm able to choose whether or not I want it to be that way or not. So all of this is really to say that what I have learned, I, I opened up a book years ago and I always believe that we get the message we need at the perfect time. And I was in a bookstore and I picked a random book off the shelf and I, I just opened it up to see kind of the gist of what it was about, you know, middle of the book, read a few lines. And the very first line that popped out was the presence of anxiety is unavoidable, but the prison of anxiety is optional and that was so profound for me in my life the presence of anxiety is unavoidable but the prison of anxiety is optional and I felt like throughout my life that was what I was in the prison of anxiety and so when I really started thinking about it I I I thought okay if I don't want my future kids to go through this, to have to go through 17 years of therapy. What kind of things can I start doing to heal myself? What kind of things do I need to be aware of? Because what the brain isn't aware of, it repeats because of familiarity, because our brain loves predictability and familiarity and what it considers safety. And when I really started thinking about this too, and I started tracing my patterns back you know, it's like, okay, well, how did this come about? How did this trauma even happen for me? And you start to realize a lot of it is generational. You look at the experiences of your parents 
And I look at my mom who was very young, 15 when she got pregnant, 16 when she had me, multiple traumas herself, who maybe didn't have the the awareness around the supports available from a young age, didn't until she was an adult. And then the adults that, you know, did, um, quote unquote, were there to help her, counsel her, you know, kind of help her along gave her the same solutions that I was given, which is like, you'll feel better when you take the edge off with this medication. And the, you know, like when you're in such a miserable space, you're kind of like, yeah, anything to take the edge off is going to be great. Whether it's alcohol, drugs, right? TV, sex, buffering, shopping, whatever the buffer is, overeating. It's like, whatever will take this edge off is, is great with me. Give me the fastest, quick, fix possible I want the quickest solution to feel better immediately and I think for even my mom you know that that was very appealing and you know it's like to an extent it can be helpful beyond that it can be something that you know if you really look it doesn't actually heal what things were challenging in the past it doesn't actually heal the traumas that she endured in the past. Same thing with every other family member of mine. I can trace up from my mom to my grandparents and look at both of their lives where they had trauma. And back then, they didn't even have the therapy counseling support, right? They think still to this day, therapy is this very foreign thing. They don't understand self-help. It feels like they're the generation of you just push through it, you get over it. Um, And it's a very different way of thinking. And as a coach, I have been very diligent about listening to things that they both say about their own upbringing, about their parents, about, um, you know, experiences they had. And my brain is like, they are the way that they are. They think the way that they're thinking because of traumatic things that happened in their life that they didn't heal from. So they took their unhealed stuff and raised my mother right in that And then my mom took, you know, her unhealed stuff and raised us in that. And then if I wasn't to break a cycle, I would have children and I would raise my kids in that, right? And I can trace it back all the way up because I actually am very blessed that I had my great grandparents. Uh, For those of you that have followed me for years, you know, that's Oma and Opa. And my Oma and Opa would tell me about their childhood and trauma started even then, you know, trauma started even then. And so... What we aren't aware of, we can't heal. And when you are buffering, you are avoiding the work that you could do to really heal. And the reason that you will likely buffer through or avoid the work is because facing the things that made you who you are up to this point can be very painful. And to change it does take work. And that sometimes feels so daunting to the brain that our brain is like, eh, I mean, I know that we're kind of struggling, but, you know, at least we're okay. Um, You know, at least things are decent. Let's just stay who we've been so that way we don't have to do a lot of the harder work. And I will tell you full transparency that healing and the work I've done in coaching the last, you know, six years 
has been the hardest work of my life. And I think that my clients will say that too. I mean, I'm sure there are people that will sugarcoat and say, you know, it's, it's not been that bad. <laughs> and it's not that it's bad. It's just, it's a challenge because you're taking full responsibility. You know, I used to blame other people for why I was the way that I was and for my personality traits, right? My quirks, my um, negative, like things that limited me in life. I w- it was just so easy to put that responsibility on other things and other people and say, well, it's because of the trauma. It's because of this person. It's because of what happened to me. It's because of this. And when you're in coaching, it's like, yes, those things happened. Yes, there are people that maybe didn't keep you safe or protect you or didn't have the emotional maturity to give you different solutions. But at the end of the day, wherever you are right now is a result of the work you are or are not doing. And, you know, when the brain is on autopilot and not actively having to work and be conscious it, it ends up repeating patterns because that's what's easiest. So a lot of times I ask people that are considering coaching or thinking about signing up, it's like, you know, I want you to think about your life two years from now, four years from now, six years from now. And if you keep living it the same exact way that you're living it now, are you going to be happy? And a lot of times they can quickly answer and say, no, I can't keep doing this. I can't keep feeling this way. I can't keep living in this cycle where I feel like I can't pull myself out of the dark, right? And that's whether someone's medicated or not. I have no judgment towards people who are, you know, have something to help them through. I think that medicine is so great in that way. I have my own personal reasons for why I haven't utilized it. I am open to it if I ever should need it. I'm not going to shame myself about it. But I think my overarching point was like, I I want to know and really explore the root reasons of why it's there to begin with before I try masking the emotions. And that leads me to the last thing that I'm going to say. I want you to, something I heard years ago that really, really changed my life. I was at a healing retreat and a coach said, you know, anxiety is just energy in your body that needs to move and I remember hearing that and being like oh my gosh that is so true like because what anxiety is it's it's this anticipation of something it's the anticipation of negative emotions it's the anticipation of pain it's the anticipation of something happening that is going to feel out of control and make you feel out of control right it's this Anxiety is really like lack of control and what makes it feel even more painful is when we're trying to control it, okay? So we like, we think we can prep a lot to, you know, keep ourselves from being anxious, but when anxiety is present, what's really keeping it there is the resistance to actually feel it and let it be there. And actually like I don't deal with a lot of anxiety as much now as I did prior to coaching because when emotions come up and I notice the anxiousness, I ask myself what part of it can I actually control and what part of it can I not? And what emotions am I trying to avoid? And can I just allow myself to really lean in and feel the feelings anyways? So I was talking to a client today and she, you know, gave this analogy of, or maybe I did, I can't remember at this point, but we talked about how 
anxiety is really like a shaken up bottle of champagne. Okay, so like when you shake a bottle of champagne and you go to open the top, it it just pops open for you, right? It explodes. And so if you think of anxiety as that bottle of champagne, you have energy that needs to get out and move, right? It's the reason why the cork pops out and then all of the champagne spills out and spills over. Anxiety is very much like that. And the way that I view kind of like buffering or, you know, sometimes um, medicating if you don't really understand what caused it in the first place, like it's trauma maybe that caused it. If you're if you're not really aware of like your own thinking and emotions, then to me it's like being like, okay, I just shook up this bottle of champagne and the cork is, you know, kind of on its way out but I don't want it to spill I don't want it to spill I don't want it to spill and so then you put duct tape over the cork and the bottle and it's like the cork is still coming out but you're trying to hold it inside of the bottle with you know duct tape or or sometimes scotch tape like it's really the reality it's like wrapping paper tape you know what I mean it's like it's not it's not a solution it's a temporary solution but it's still what would actually solve the problem of the bottle being shaken up and the cork on its way out. It would be just letting the cork come out and the champagne go everywhere. And we're so afraid of that because a lot of times I think what I find with clients is they're like, if I allow myself to basically let the cork come out and everything spills out, I'm not going to be able to pull myself out of that darkness. I'm not going to be able to pull myself out of that hole. And so again, it's the anticipation of if I allow myself to feel the feelings, if I allow myself to be grounded, if I allow myself to not feel like I'm floating outside of my body, then I'm going to be in a hole, right? It's the assumption I'm going to be in a dark hole and I'm not going to be able to crawl my way out of the dark hole. And the anticipation of that, even if it's not true, the anticipation of that is anxiety ridden and then they'd rather stay inside of the shaken up champagne bottle with the duct tape or the scotch tape you know looking like they're all held together when really like there's bubbles coming out at the seams and they're about to explode and that's really really where I was at 24 I got to the point where I was like okay this is painful I've been shaking up this bottle for so long I'm I'm about to really lose it and I need help. I need help with with this. I need help knowing what to do with this energy, this negative, anxious energy, these emotions. I don't know what to do with them. And coaching really helped me learn how to be with anxiety and not run from it. Because lastly, I think that's what we try to do. Anxiety feels like a problem. And so what I want to offer for you is what if anxiety isn't a problem at all? Anxiety is really just telling us what we're thinking about subconsciously and it's an offering to explore it and to understand it and to heal it. And what actually feels painful is feeling like anxiety is a problem and trying to push it down and ignore it and, you know, make it go away. And we know that when we're doing that, it doesn't actually heal the root cause of the problem. It's just kind of like a mask and a band-aid. So I just want to encourage you to think about that and again, take what you need from this, leave what you don't 
And if you need help exploring this, if it did resonate with you, you can always schedule a free consult at macyrenee.com and we can talk about it because I think for a lot of my clients, they've learned how to be inside of their body. They've learned how to manage their mind and their emotions. They don't be, they don't get as frazzled from life events that they can't control as they did prior to coaching because they understand now the way in which their brain will try to protect them and they understand that negative emotions are not a problem and it's only when we make them a problem that we really feel anxious and we start to beat ourselves up and we feel like we're not enough or we're not doing it right or our, our life is a mess and we're a unicorn you know that's all messed up and needs a ton of help and I think if we just normalized the conversation around anxiety a little bit more and and realize that so many people go through it and there are solutions that can make it less painful um, and less severe you know when we're not talking about genetics or or chemical imbalance per se based on just because like when we're really looking at you know life and life events that I didn't know how to handle well or my family members didn't know how to teach me how to handle well you know emotions there were emotions I didn't know how to handle well when we're willing to look at that and and fix that core root of the quote-unquote problem then the anxiety is not as heavy then it's not going to feel as bad and actually this is the last thing I'm going to leave with there's so many thoughts I have about about this but years ago when I was doing a lot of work around this I remember um, watching several videos and learning that the U.S. is really one of the only places that prescribes medication for anxiety. And that in a lot of countries, I can't remember the number anymore. I used to be able to remember. But in a lot of countries, anxiety is actually considered a good thing. Because in other countries, anxiety isn't perceived as a problem. Anxiety is actually seen as a gift of people who are very intuitive and empathetic and show up as empaths but they don't know how to utilize that energy and that gift and I've actually witnessed this a lot in my life and in um like in my own life and also in clients lives that a lot of times super anxious people are people who are very empathetic they you know are very intuitive they can read body language they're very very hyper aware of other people's emotions but they're not super in in tune with their own because it doesn't feel safe and so I found it very interesting that in other countries when someone says like I feel out of body I feel anxious I feel fearful of something I feel scared right I'm just very on edge that they're instead of being greeted with something's wrong with your brain and you probably need something to fix it, they're greeted with, what an amazing gift. Let me teach you how to utilize it and how to understand it. And I remember when I watched that, I just thought that is so amazing that it doesn't have to be a problem and that when we really understand ourselves we can heal from so much and we can move forward in ways that we really want. And I love that. So that's kind of my perspective and how I view it. And yeah, I just thought I would share that with you. If you have any questions, let me know. If you have any thoughts, you're more than welcome to email me at coaching at macyrenee.com. And again, if you want to try and win six free one-on-one coaching sessions together, 
um, make sure you go leave a Google review. You can find the link in the show notes here where there's a little caption about the podcast episode or you can go to macyrenee.com and click the link at the very top. Thank you so much to everyone who has done so. I'm so excited. I will draw this coming weekend and I will see you next week. Bye-bye. Hey there. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of This Is Not Your Practice Life podcast. If you'd like to connect on social media, you can find me on both Instagram and Facebook at Macy Renee Coaching. And if you want to stay up to date on all of my offers, announcements, and inspirational emails, you can join my email list at macyrenee.com. In addition, if there's a way that I can further support you in your coaching journey, you can schedule a free 60-minute consult at macyrenee.com anytime you want so we can discuss the best options for you. I look forward to seeing you next week, and I hope you have an amazing day. Bye.